0: Okay, so we're beginning now, the portion of Sa'af, Sunday. And we are continuing the commandments to Aaron, the high priest and his sons, the laws of the various offerings. God spoke to Moses saying, command Aaron and his sons saying, this is the law of the burnt offering. It is a burnt offering which remains on its fire, on the altar, all night, until the morning. And the fire of the altar will be kept burning on it. Rashi says, the opening word of our portion, command, it means to push, to urge someone, immediately and for future generations. And here it's necessary to push, because we're talking about a command which involves a monetary law. Meaning the priest is going to be involved in all the details of the burnt offering, he doesn't get any of its meat. Because it all gets burnt up to God, so he's so to speak, it's, it's not a wise uh, investment of his time. It's a monetary loss, but still, it's sort of pushing him to do it properly and quickly, this energy. This is the law of the burnt offering. So of course, we already discussed this in the previous portion of Vayikra, but here we're explaining the laws of the burning of the fats and the limbs on the altar, that it's valid all night long. And to speak about sacrifices that become invalid, which of them, if it's on the altar, do you have to take down? And which of them, if you realize it's invalid and it's already on the altar, you keep on the altar. Because it says, this is the law, this is the law, the teaching of the burnt offering, that means it's coming to teach us something new. And the basic law being taught here is if you bring this animal on the altar, and it's invalid, is already put on the altar. You don't take it down. It's a burnt offering. This excludes a male animal that have been in spiritual relationships with a female or a female animal with a male. As we already learned last portion, they cannot be used as an offering. Now these animals obviously are not disqualified by something which occurred when they were in the temple. This is something that made them invalid before they came to the temple. Going back to the verse, "...and the priest shall dress in his linen garment, he shall wear linen pants on his body skin, and he shall separate the ashes where the fire consumes the burnt offering in the altar, and place it next to the altar." Rashi says the, the linen garment is like his shirt that we're told is mido, his measurement, because it should be according to his size, the shirt. On his skin, meaning nothing should be between this shirt, this undergarment shirt and his skin. And he should separate the ashes. He shall break a full can of the ashes, from the innermost ashes that were consumed, and place them on the east side of the ramp. On the word, the rastage, which are formed when the fire consumes burnt offering, it makes them into ash. This is the ash he separating. He should place it next to the altar. If he finds limbs, which are not of the animal, which are not yet consumed, he has to return them to the altar. After he rake the coals back and forth and taking out the most inner pieces, then he takes these parts of the animals that still weren't burnt up completely, and he's putting them more on the fire. That they too should be burnt up for God. Next verse. He shall then remove his garments and dress in other garments, and she took out the ashes beyond the encampment to a pure, undefiled place. So it says he should remove his garments. The truth is, this is not a commandment. It's good manners. Meaning, you don't want to get your clothing dirty. Here are the clothing he performed in the temple service. Now he's schlepping outside with ashes. So it's as if clothing in which you cooked the pot for your master are not going to the clothing you're wearing when you're pouring the goblet for your master. Clothing that you use to serve in the counter is not going to be using to take the ashes and bring them to the ash piles. So that's why I dress in other garments of less worth than these. He takes out the ashes which are gathered in that heap at the center of the altar. There's a lot of ash and he removes it from there. So it's not done every day. The truma is obligatory every day. That truma of raising a certain part of the ash and putting it on the side by the altar happens every day. But gathering all this excessive ash and slapping it to outside the three camps, that was done when the pile got big enough. The fire and the altar shall be kindled with it, it shall not go out. The priest shall burn logs upon it each and every morning, narrating the burnt offerings on it, and burn upon it the fast of the peace offering. The fire of the altar shall be kindled with it. So the prayer here mentions many kindlings on the fire, the fire of the altar shall be kindled with it, the fire of the altar shall be kindled with it, the fire, be, it. The fire be lighted on the altar. So based on all the differing terms our stages used for all these fires going on on the altar, a rabbi expounded on how many wood piles were there. Meaning there's a number of different wood piles, but how many are there? So, Rabbi Huda says that there must be two, regularly, and three on Yom Kippur. Rabbi Yaisi says there are ordinarily three and four on Yom Kippur. But Mayor Rabbi Huda HaNassi, says there are normally four and five on Yom Kippur. So based on the wording of all these different types of fires that we're talking about, is how many fires were continually burning on top of the altar. And the daily burnt offering, it says he should arrange the burnt offering on it. Meaning, the burnt offering precedes all the other sacrifices, all the other sacrifices are coming, so to speak, on it, on this daily burnt offering. And on it you burn the facts of the peace offering, meaning if a peace offering is brought there. So first, we begin with the burnt offering of the morning, then we offer all the sacrifices, and then we conclude with the burnt offering of the afternoon. So nothing comes before the burnt offering of the morning, and nothing comes after the burnt offering of the afternoon. A continual fire shall be lit on the altar, shall not go out. Continual fire, meaning a fire that we, we view it as continual. Meaning this is a fire with, from which the mouth of the are being lit And we know those lamps were considered burning continuously. And that light for that is coming from this outer outer altar. And it said it should not go out. So If you extinguish the fire in the altar, you're actually transgressing two biblical commandments. Meaning this prohibition of extinguishing the fire is mentioned it twice, once here and once in the previous verse. The Rashi is assuming that this is for all generations a double prohibition. This is the law of the meal offering. The sons of Aaron bring it before God to the front of the altar. Now we're talking we moved on whenever whatever we were going to say about the burnt offering. And now we're talking about a version of the flower offering. This is the law of the meal offering. There's one law for all of them. What's the law? That all these flower offerings require oil, require the Livona incense. Now, Raji says, How do I know that every offering of the flower has oil and this Livona spice? In other words, we have the meal offering of the regular Jew where we know the priest takes this fistful with the oil and the spice but by the priest his meal offering is completely burnt to God. So maybe his doesn't have oil and the spice, his just has the flour. But Rashi says no because again, similarly to our logic of before, it says here, those Torahs have mincha. This is the Torah, the law of the mincha, of the flower offering. So the word "tyra" implies an additional rule that wasn't stated explicitly. So that means we have some inclusion we're making we didn't know before. So maybe it's to include that all five types of flour offerings have to have this levote space, which in the previous portion was only mentioned with the first type, the fine meal offering. But in our section here, we're not discriminating, we're globalizing and referring to all five types of meal offering. So this word taira has to have a different purpose now that we're globalizing to apply to all five offerings. According to Rashi, we're saying that this is including that the priest flour offering also has its requirement of oil and the Levana spice. And this offering, the priest offering the meal offering, would be to the previous portion at all. To bring, it, to bring it near to the southwest corner of the altar before God, which will be on the west side of the altar, on the side of the Tent of Meeting, and then to the front of the altar, which is the south, which is like the face of the altar, the ramp is placed in that direction. So he'll separate from it when he takes his pistol, from some of the meal offering's fine flour, and some of his oil, and some of the lavona spice, which is on the meal offering, shall burn on the altar a pleasant fragrance, its memorial portion to God, So there was this one mass of flour, with the oil and the spice, and he's separating it from this full amount, this one tenth of an afa in the vessel, and he takes this fistful from that. So this again, why is Rashi saying this? Because the verb the verb uses the masculine from it. It's written in the masculine term. What we're talking about here are words of the feminine. The fine flower, Silas, is feminine, or the general term for this the meal offering, the midcha, is feminine. So we can't mean take from the fine flower, take from the meal offering, they're both feminine. The only thing masculine going on here is the measurement, the tenth of the ephah So that's why we're saying that the taking from it has to be from the tenth of the ephah because it's the only thing that grammatically fits. So he's taking his fistful, don't take Fistful by measure, just take a fistful. From the place where the oil is plentiful and this mingling of the fine flour with the oil. But it shouldn't be mixed with any other meal offering. And then he gathers all the lavona spice after taking the fistful and he burns it. Now, we already learned this, but we learned this again in about only one of the meal offerings from the five different types of meal offerings we discussed in the previous portion. So now we're repeating this section to globalize it and say every one of those five meal offerings we have the same rule of taking the flour with the oil, with taking all the spices, burning the spices, burning the fistful. So these rules that we learned about one apply to all and that's why we're repeating it but now we're not specifying which type of meal offering we're bringing but this was globalized and it applies for every meal offering.